welcome to another episode of 353rd, a bi-weekly podcast discussing the impact of the internet on business. This is episode number 48. Today is Saturday, January 26th, 2013. I am one of your hosts, Scott Barstow. I'm the other of your hosts, Anders Brownworth. Anders, how are you today? Good. So we're bearing down on episode number 50. Yes. And for those that have been with us since the beginning, you will know that in the beginning we had this uh, kind of a combination show concept where we would talk about all things internet and business for about 30 minutes. And then we would pick a movie and talk about that for about 30 minutes. And it was really a lot of fun. Uh, but the show got really long and we that figured people don't want to listen to us talk for an hour. However, in the spirit of episode number 50 bearing down on us, we will be doing a retro episode on episode number 50, and we'll pick a movie and talk about it. Content not yet decided. That's just, right. Just so you know. Feel free to bring in, send in uh, suggestions. We're, we're all ears, but uh, we'll very likely pull something that we are both very passionate about, but uh, hopefully it won't be something we've already covered. We could, we, you know, we're just barely smart enough to not do that. Just barely. Just barely. Yeah, I wouldn't put it that far. So this is a biweekly podcast discussing the impact of the internet on business. It's really internet on on things wider than just business, uh, as today's topic would suggest. Yes, that's right. Today we're talking about there were there in the last couple of weeks. There's been two really interesting press releases about the impact of the internet on education. And education, I feel like we're in a bit of, you know, everybody's talking about the impact of the internet on education. There's lots of companies spinning up and trying to solve the problem of how to bring really good education to the masses for not a lot of money. What I'm particularly interested in this week are the two announcements from, one from San Jose State, and one from the University of Wisconsin. Yeah. Now, the one from San Jose State, we'll start with that one. And what they are going to be doing is offering accredited courses for as little as $150 per course, all online, through a partnership with Udacity, which is a really big education startup uh, based out in the Bay Area. Yeah. So what what are they offering? I, so... As I understand, it's it's just some credit four credit courses. It's not a lot. That's it's, right. It's yeah, I think it's a, a, it's a small offering. Not yeah. only a small offering of classes or a smaller offering of classes, but also not offered to everyone. So, as I understand it, they will be targeting uh, students who've been waitlisted in California uh, universities that would otherwise have to go out of state to school. Or uh, I think they're also looking into or also targeting armed forces veterans and other underserved groups, as they call it. Yeah. This is huge. This is absolutely uh, a a tectonic shift here. Because I think it was uh, about a year ago we were talking about really what needs to happen is there needs to be a, a system where you can get credit and is eventually get a degree or some equivalent and be able to enter the workforce 
you know, with, with some something appreciable on your resume, something that people uh, will will understand and will uh, will uh, put some stock behind. That's right. This is the and first San Jose step. State is a yeah, is they're a great university. It's right yeah. out there in the kind of the heart of all things tech for the U.S. And so it doesn't surprise me that the you know that this sort of thing happened first there. Yeah. What I think is really interesting is it's a it's a state school doing it. Yeah, and, that is. And yeah. our second example, I think, is even more compelling. But we'll get to that in a second. But I think it's really interesting that you have the state of California, of course, is in a really severe budget crunch. They've got all sorts of fiscal problems there, and I think they're trying to get their arms around how do they continue to provide services to the to the people of the state that have been promised and committed to, but do it in a way that's both effective and efficient. And I, for me, I think, just think about the ramifications of being able to take you know, classes. Let's say you want to end up at San Jose State, which is a really good school. Yeah. You want to end up there, but you are you know, you, you get out of high school or maybe even while you're in high school, you can start taking some of these classes and get the, you know, the, the all of the pre-WEC classes or at least some of them out of the way before you actually have to show up on campus and start paying real tuition. So would you do this with your kids? Absolutely. So if it were available, okay, your kids aren't maybe in the demographic that they're targeting, but if they were, you would absolutely get them in starting, oh, as soon as you thought they could handle it? Yeah, I w- as soon as I felt like they could do college-level work, I would have them taking these classes. Yeah, I think I'd do the same. That's very interesting. Um, so, so, yeah? Yeah, so similarly, uh, it's funny you ask that because here in North Carolina, once you hit the age of, I believe once you're a junior in high school, you can start taking uh, community college classes for free. Really? That's right. And and the credits that you earn are guaranteed to transfer to any North Carolina institution. Any in-state school. Yeah, that they're the same same kind of thing was true in New York except you had to pay. Right. And I, I don't know about actually I don't know if there's something on the high school level, but that's interesting. Yeah, so for me I think it would be that's a nat, this is a natural extension of we we fully intend to have our kids taking those classes if we're still uh, if they're still at home, if they're still being homeschooled, which is we don't know if that's going to happen or not. But if they were, yeah, then something like this, or you know, or that you know, this program that, that already exists seems like a really great way to start, uh, you know, start the college process without all of the college expense. Yeah, it's true. So the other thing about this is, granted, San Jose State is uh, is uh, you know it's a state school it's uh, it's probably pretty good but it is by no means a tier one school it's not top you know you wouldn't expect the top mover and of course the one you're going to point your finger at has got to be Stanford because right. that's the one in that same area right so you you would imagine the disruption to happen a little lower and then bubble up. But uh, Stanford is always, I mean, you, the courses they have on iTunes, you are fantastic. I've taken many of them. They're, they're really good, but they don't assign credit. And that's correct. Be really, so I think, I mean, assigning credit, that's a huge, huge deal. Uh, I wonder how long it takes before you can actually 
take a, uh, a Stanford level course, for example, and right. get credit for it. And and is there some kind of a? Is it just open to anyone? Uh, you know, in the in the let, let's say the uh, San Jose State uh, system didn't target a certain group, and they just opened the doors to whomever wanted to take the class. And then they had some automated way of grading or, or some way of calling out the, the really poor students, the ones that really don't, you know, reach the admission bar and, mm-hmm. then, oh, and then score them only after that. My, my point is get rid of admission in the very beginning. Put admission after the first, you know, few classes you've done. Sure. Something yeah. like that. Because uh, that yeah. seems to be where we're going. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So the other example, I think then this came up this week. I read about it in the Wall Street Journal that I think is potentially even more compelling than what's going on at San Jose State is that the University of Wisconsin is now offering degrees without class time. Yeah. And it, it's a full four-year degree. That is – that's – yeah. That's and I huge. Think that it's just – Absolutely stunning announcement, in my opinion, because it's a University of Wisconsin, again, a state school, which surprises me. And I have to wonder what's going on on the private with the private schools. I guess, you know, you know, private schools need tuition to stay afloat, I'm guessing. And it's a little bit easier for a state-funded institution to take some risk, maybe, in this area. Yeah. But – uh, the the story in the Wall Street Journal and the story and the story about San Jose State, of course, will post references to both of these uh, in the call in the show notes. But uh, I just wonder if you know, for instance, I've got a I've got a family member who's uh, just a brilliant technology guy, was in the Air Force for a number of years, and has struggled in the workforce just because you know people don't want to give him the time of day because he doesn't have a degree. Yeah, and you know, once you're once you're kind of into life with kids and all that other stuff, it's hard to find to carve out the time to go back to school. That's extremely difficult. Yeah, not only from a time standpoint, but also obviously you've got to pay for it. Yeah, and so, if you've got, so I just think something like this is absolutely f- fantastic. It is fantastic, but what they're what they're talking about here is essentially testing out of. Uh, you know, out of school and testing all the way through your four-year degree. The problem I have with that is you don't go to college to learn facts. You go to college to learn how to think. So you really have to be able to test the way these people think. And then if you're going to do that, like in your case where where, uh, with your relative uh, who doesn't have uh, a four-year degree – how does he get that? I mean, there, there's a lot of online courses and that kind of thing, but it's really the classroom interaction or at least the interaction amongst, uh, you know, people that, that are already steeped in the way to think that eventually leads you there and gets you there. Because before college, I was, a, you know, I thought very differently. No, uh, I think you're right. I think the, that is, does, does this turn a degree into really just something like the SAT where you're testing right. knowledge of a you know some set of subject matter not necessarily how to how to think about a problem or how to solve problems or you know things where an assessment test is it's hard to get that data out of an assessment test it is and then how do you get 
how do you get the way to think initially? You watch, uh, you know, 500 hours, 2000 hours of, uh, iTunes U courses from the best universities. I mean, that's like, how do you get it and how do you test it? I think that's, I don't know. that's the open question. It is. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, I think this sort of thing probably lends itself to disciplines that are more objective. So math, engineering, nursing, you know, those kinds of things where you can test the subject matter in an objective way. I think it probably gets a bit more nebulous with, you know, I don't know, music or history or whatever. More of a liberal arts kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I would imagine that this first set of courses or the first set of degrees would probably be focused in those kind of areas. And, and I think it's, if I remember right, I think it was information technology and nursing were the two areas they were going to uh, pilot this program with. So, yeah, 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 that makes sense. It's, it's really encouraging. I love to see it go down. I, 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 uh, I have questions about how you score it and how you, because we don't want, like you say, I don't want people to teach into the test uh, because that's not really, you know, you get in the workforce and, and it's not a test. That's it, right. It's, it's uh, you know, you got to work, you got to perform. So uh, uh, I'm interested. And then the other thing is you don't just get an education so that you can get a better job. You get an education so you can better be a better, more rounded human being, member of society, you know, those are the reasons you really get an education. Uh, the world is infinitely better because of education, not because of people getting a better job, really, but because people, uh, you know, having a more holistic understanding of the world around them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a there's probably a balance between that sort of that sort of view and the practical reality that a degree does mean does open more doors for you professionally. For sure. Yeah. And so. So it's, but I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying at all. I think there is, there's value in learning for learning's sake. The, the question is, you know, can everybody afford to do that? And the answer is obviously no. And but, but you, 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 you are forced to learn for learning's sake just to get the learning that you need. Because when I went to school, school is not the right place to go if you needed to learn about technology. You should just go learn about technology in where technology is happening. Uh, that was the. It's probably quite a bit different now, uh, because you know you can go to Stanford and learn how to program the iPhone. I mean, this was never. You never learned to program anything practical when I was in school. It was a whole different story. So, so uh, you know where you go is really, you know, you 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 get drawn through a bunch of knowledge that you will never use in the workforce, but you will. So it's easy, I think, to make a. Uh, you know, like a practical test to teach the thing to to query the things I need to know to work in the in the workforce, but much harder to gauge is this a well-rounded person? That's, That's all. right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess the the other thing I wanted to talk about today is I had a really interesting discussion with a friend of mine probably a week and a half or so ago. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this and. Here it is. His dilemma was, you know, he's looking, he's been at a, at, a, at a job for the last, let's say, year or year and a half. Young guy and, you know, a lot on the ball, could probably work just about anywhere where yeah. he's working. 
mm-hmm. not really not really taking advantage of his talent. He's kind of been promised some things, and who knows whether those. But it's not really committed to paper. It's all a bit nebulous and vague. And anyway, long story short, he's he's looking. He might start looking around for yeah. the next thing, and he and I were talking, and it came up. Well, you know, I feel like I owe my current guy. I feel like I'm leaving him in a lurch. Yeah, and I started thinking about that, and my advice back to him was, "Look, you know, everybody that's running a company or you know has a business, they're all big boys or girls." And they all know that people come and go, and you know, regardless of what you may think, the the place was there before you got there, and will be just <laughs> fine after you leave. Yeah, and that's not being glib; it's just how it is. Sure. You know, people move on all the time, and I said that's not really. I don't feel like that's a valid reason to be skittish about leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't owe him anything. You've worked for the money he's paid you, and that's that's the contract. The contract isn't some other moral obligation, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I wanted to get your thoughts about like what's the what do you think about that whole thing? Because there's a lot of that, you know, it used to be that people would work for the same company for twenty five years and retire. And you know now if somebody works for the same company for more than two or three years, that's a lot. Yeah. And so there's a lot more job hopping, I guess, for lack of a better word. But I think it's really just the pace at which companies move and people move is just has just accelerated. Yeah. And so what do you think about his most first of all, his moral dilemma of, you know, I'm gonna leave this company and they won't know what to do. And then secondarily, what do you feel like he owes them and like what's the what's your what do you think is the right process for him to walk out the door? I think the uh, the key there is what does he owe them because that informs all the other things. Technically, on paper, nothing. I, I tend to agree with you a bit more, but the reason he feels that way is because back in the day it was like that. You worked for the same place 20, 30, 40 years. So all of that kind of, you know, that, that's baggage that, that keeps you wanting to stay somewhere. Only a year. You said only a year, right? Or was it a year and a half? I think it's probably been a year and a half by now. So that's still not that long. I think two years is plenty. Uh, a year and a half is is still doable, but two years there there is certainly no lasting. You know, I gotta stay here. Now that's coming from somebody who's worked at the same place going on twelve years now. So it's <laughs> weird, right. right? But in technology, I think the, the – so what's the difference between back in the day and now? Well, the pace of technology is far faster. Uh, I think that contributes a lot to it. It contributes to people switching around a lot. Because of technology, people that know what they need to know are, you know, generally if they're in the same company for a long time, they they get passed over, they get ignored, they get like nobody nobody really knows what they actually could do because they get seen as in a box. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, moving around a lot it definitely helps with that. And and I've seen a lot of people who move around a lot who are terrible. 
Like sure. they're they're awful. They really don't have. They really can't stand on their own legs. But the you know technically, but they can present themselves well. And even if if nothing else, it's healthy to be able to present yourself well. You know the company closes, or the you know the opportunity disappears, the the business disappears, or you know whatever a downturn in the market always be the reason for you leaving is is bad as well. Right. So some healthy measure of okay, I'm making a move for myself because this is the right move to make is uh, is a good thought process to go through and a, and a good separation of church and state in a sense. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely, uh, you know, it's not like he's six months in kind of still learning the ropes. Um, and the company certainly will, you know, I guess I'm, I'm agreeing with you in a large, to a large degree, but the company will keep on going. There is no one person that, uh, you know, makes or breaks the place usually. So, you know, especially if you're an employee, if you, and it's actually healthier for the company. Because if if too much is centered around one person in a company, and then when you leave, major projects kind of you know take a bath, then or fall off the map completely and actually damage the revenue of the place. That's that's a that's not your fault as a, an employee of the company. That is management's fault because they need to distribute that stuff. So you know if he feels like he's too much in the center of something, I mean, you know. That, that's not his fault. That's that's something that somebody else has essentially put on him, and that's you know that that's that's if it falls, then that's totally you know I, I don't think you owe anything. I think you do owe, um, for example, if you get into a position and you you haven't uh, towed really towed the line yet. I would say at two years you've towed the line. You know if right. you're not kicked out by two years, they they're pretty happy with you. And you're 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 not you know under somebody's wing being you know supported all the time. You're kind of rolling on your own. Or if you are under somebody's wing, that may be unhealthy too. Who knows? Yeah, I and know. I think the the other thing is that if you are if you're not content with being where you are, you're not doing them any favors by sticking Stay. around either. Right. And I think there's this there's sometimes this this sense that well you know i'm going to stick around and uh because i i feel this sort of uh emotional or moral tug and i think having been on the other side of it where you have people working for you that you can tell aren't really engaged and probably don't want to be there yeah you know i'm fine to let those people go because i'd rather have somebody else that you know thinks this is a really cool place to work working for me and if you want to go on, then you need to go on and no hard feelings. You know, we shake hands and that's that. All right. But what about your key guy? Yeah, but I think you always have if, – if it's a key person, I think the – what you hoped – I think my opinion of that is what you hope would happen is that they would come to you and say, look, I'm just not happy what I'm do- with what I'm doing. You know, is there another – is there something else I can do? Is there – you know, is there a way for me to, you know, if I want to move up or if I want to do something completely different? I think the this is sort of the other side of this that I hoped we'd get to, because I do think if you're working in the right spot, so if I'm a key guy and I really like 
maybe the guy I'm working for, but not the, but not necessarily the job. One of the thing, one of the mistakes I've made is not having that conversation with the person I was working for. I've just gone and looked for something else, gotten it, and then come back in and said, "Hey, I'm leaving," I only to have them say, "I wish you told me." Yeah, right. I've had that probably yeah. So that's tw- twice that I can think of where where they said, "I wish I had known. I would have done something different." So I so that's the. That's the uh, the thing maybe that you owe the guy that that you know if you feel any allegiance to the guy, then you owe him that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know the the you've really got to understand your situation. I think because the risk you obviously run there is if they're threatened by that or think you know that's some sort of disloyalty. Now you're blacklisted and or let go. Sure, it's got to be a and, good relationship, and it's yep. got to be it's got to be a uh, it's got to be a good manager because bad managers will flip. Yep. And <laughs> yeah, they'll see it as a threat or yeah. disloyalty or yeah. some other emotional reaction other than just what it is, which is, I'm not happy. Can we do something about it? Yeah. And so anyway, it's... Well, it's this, a- this treads closely to the idea I had about star coders. Um, the, the, the benefit to building that team where you have one really, uh, you know, kind of the rock star guy and you surround him by a group that can just get him the tools he needs, get all the political problems out of the way, have no worry about whether or not we're going to make any money. Just, you know, get him, make sure he's paid, uh, a competitive salary. And then, and then he goes and he works in his little group and then the project becomes uninteresting or there's a more interesting project somewhere else in the company, then he moves over there. So this, it it kind of does dovetail because a really good guy that you really want to keep, that the company really wants to keep, will create those kinds of opportunity. And if they they really want to keep the person, they will put them out to pasture next to the organization and say, okay, Let's let's go after some brand new business that we 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 don't even have or a total new industry or or whatever. If the business really wants to keep that guy engaged, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, and I think also what I've what I've tried to do with people that I've thought were key is once you realize that they are key is that you have that conversation with them pretty regularly. Yeah, you if bring you're, it if to If you're them. not happy, I want to know. Yeah. You know, don't walk out of here without me knowing what's going on. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to flip out if you come to me and say, I want to leave. You know, it's really important for the people that you think are, you really don't want to live without because there's nobody you can't live without, but there are certainly people that you really don't want to live without. Yeah. And I think for those, you've just got to make it really clear that, look, I think you're really important. I'm going to do every, I'm going to demonstrate that to you in a number of ways and if that's not enough or you get something you feel like you've got something better just give me a chance to do something about it before you leave yeah 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 i think that's right and that it's all comes down to trust because yep. you as a as an employee have got to trust that your manager is not going to take it poorly and flip and then you know fire you or something crazy and as a uh, in management if you're hiring somebody that's good you have to 
you know, it's, of course, the onus is on you to have that conversation somewhat regularly and, uh, you know, keep an open door policy and don't wig when the guy, you know, is just kind of casting around for something other than manning the support phone or whatever yeah, exactly. you know, boring part of his job he's got is. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, it all comes down to the, the, the situation. So hard to make yep. blanket statements on that. Yeah, it really is. Anyway, that's our, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. You can check us out online at 350third.com, 353rd.com, uh, at 353rd on Twitter. And we, lo- of course, love to hear your comments on iTunes and or on our site about the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Adios.